2: Today's episode of the pod is brought to you by the Hidden Figures Podcast, my brand new project with Justice Marimi. We talk all about building wealth, how to steward it, how to save it, invest it, and how to feel good about it. Talk about money topics, side hustle topics, investments, real estate, all that good stuff. If you're interested in that kind of thing and you want to hear even more of my voice, head on over to... Apple Podcasts, search for The Hidden Figures Podcast and subscribe. Once you listen, be sure to leave a rating and a review. It's super helpful. And share it with a friend. The Hidden Figures Podcast, where we talk about wealth, how to steward it, and how to feel good about it. On today's episode of the Preaches of Seekers Podcast, somehow I got my friend Angela Johnson Reyes to stop by and chop it up with me. Angela is super well-known for her Mad TV bit called Bon Cui, Cui. She went viral for her nail salon stand-up bit very early on her career. She's recorded albums under the Bon Cui name. She's toured sold-out tours for those albums. She's been a spokesperson for Sprint, Visa, Snickers, Verizon, uh, Taco Cabana. If you're from Texas, that would be super familiar to you. She's also been in movies and TV shows. This woman does it all. She's got her own podcast. And not only that, she's incredibly thoughtful cares about people, is really well known for her philanthropy work rescuing kids out of sex trafficking. We talk about that later. And she really loves her puppies. So that was one thing we definitely related on. Uh, I was super honored to have her. She's a tremendous talent. And I think you'll not only get a good laugh, be entertained, but also potentially learn something or be challenged uh, in your own life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Angela Johnson Reyes. Oh, one more thing, head on over to preachersandsneakers.com and drop your email in the subscribe box. I've got a lot of very exciting announcements coming in the next couple months that only my email subscribers will get access to, specifically book-related things. So whether or not you like the idea that I wrote a book or hate the idea that I wrote a book, the ability to get first word about it will be through my email list. So head on over to preachersandsneakers.com and drop your email to get the up-to-date announcements on on certain book-related things coming very soon. I really appreciate it. So today on the Preachers and Sneakers podcast, I've got one of my favorite funny people slash Instagram friends, which hopefully we are now friend friends. Uh, She's got multiple stand-up specials. She's a former Oakland Raider cheerleader. She's a podcaster, philanthropist, actress, but most importantly, she's a dog mom. That's right. I have Angela Johnson with me today today. The world is crazy that I can get you to come on this podcast, but I'm so grateful that you would spend the time with me today. How's it going, my friend?
3: Good. It's going well. I love that it's, and most importantly, she's a dog.
2: <laughs> That's right. Cause I think like, you'd probably say the same.
3: Yeah. Thank you for understanding. Thank yeah, absolutely. Where my priorities lie. <laughs>
2: <laughs> How is old Bonzo being the dog doing?
3: Oh, he's wonderful. He's sitting right here at my feet. And, um, He's just such a love, and we were talking. I forgot who they just talking to this morning about um our friend's dog, who's like just crazy and yips and yaps and whatever. And they're like, "That's not like um Bonzo," and we're like, "There is no dog like Bonzo. <laughs> Bonzo is perfect in every single possible way." And I I thank God for this dog. And I tell him all the time when I'm like getting all like, "Oh, you're so cute." Mm-hmm. So grateful for you i love you so much i can't believe i found you i can't believe i get to have you thank you so much and then when i'm really feeling crazy i'm like i can't believe i gave birth to you <laughs> <laughs> to be but. clear
2: she did not spoken like a true dog mom i mean i think <laughs> every dog mom would say the same that whole bias towards our dog is perfect but you post a lot about the dog and i will agree that he is pretty cute and do you have other dogs you, you've been posting lately about other dogs
3: yes uh well my friend penelope and her son and her dog moved in with us
4: oh, okay uh, cool
3: you've like shared custody of her dog since we've had him for 14 or 15 years now oh snap i rescued him from someone else and i brought him home and i was like because pen and i used to live together when we were you know early 20s
4: mm-hmm.
3: and i was like hey i I rescue this dog. We need to find a home for it, so I'll just keep it here for like a week, and we'll find a home. So we kept it there for a week, and she's like, "You know, what? I'm going to keep him." And then, so since then, then she got married, and I moved out, and then all kinds of life things happened. Then they moved back in with me, and so I've had this dog in my life for 15 years. But it's Sheesh. so it's like, yes, he's my dog, but he's real. I'm the godmom.
2: Right, right, right. That's a long dog life. I mean, that's a pretty significant amount of time. He's seen oh, some yeah. things. Yeah, he or she blind, has seen some things.
3: He's blind. He has a heart murmur. All his teeth are rotten. Oh, he's no. Hanging on.
2: But he's got character. Oh.
3: And good. that's
2: what gives him character.
3: We call him Grumpa. Grumpa
2: Smith. <laughs> <laughs> that's grumpy. Grumpy. That's awesome. So for people that don't know, they should know. But Angela, you're a, a comedian, but you're also an actress. You have several podcasts. You do a lot of philanthropy work. I would love to learn maybe the, you know, couple minute spiel about how you entered comedy through sure. kind of a strange, like coming up, like you didn't start as a wanting to be a comedian your whole life. Right. I mean, you right. were a professional cheerleader at one point. Could you mm-hmm. talk a little bit about that? Just maybe the transition f- from that to comedy. Cause it's just super interesting to me.
3: I grew up in the Bay area. Yay. Bay area. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, I wanted to be an actress, but I would never say it out loud to people because yeah. it's It was like so far-fetched to say I want to be an actress that that's embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, it's might.
2: not embarrassing, but I get that you would, Yeah, I think some of the same things. Yep.
3: Because where do you be an actress in San Jose? You don't. So basically what you're saying is I want to be a princess. So that's, <laughs> and, um, lots, I'll, I'll take out a lot of the details of this story to like, sure wrap it up in a nice little package. But basically I had uh, the opportunity, two opportunities presented themselves. One, I had a friend move to LA and she had become an actress. She was doing commercials and music videos. And she was like, if you move out here, I'll help you. I'll help you get started. Dang! And so now this far-fetched fantasy actually was more of an attainable dream that I could try to go for. And at the same time, I had another friend say, Hey, I'm a cheerleader for the Oakland Raiders. You should come try out. And I was like, Oh, that's not really my thing. I'm not really interested in professional cheerleading. But then I was like, you know what? I will try out because I'm going to use it as my sign. Because
2: you were it. high school. I mean, did you, you cheer in high school? All
3: that. So different. I've been cheerleading since I was eight years old, but competitive stunts, tumbling, like that kind of stuff yeah Professional cheerleading was like dance pirouette point your toes and shake your palms and look really pretty have some cleavage like it was a completely different vibe than my tomboy let me do uh some stunts throw me in the air so i could flip you know what yeah. I mean?
2: so you weren't recruited i mean this is like a walk-on situation try out
3: oh, were 700 girls at this audition in their hottest forever 21 outfit They. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, I drove out there by myself. and
2: That is bold.
3: Yeah, because this is why. Because I said, I'm going to use it as my sign. If I make the squad, I will do it for one year and then I'm going to move to Hollywood and I'm going to be an actress. And if I don't make the squad, then I know that Hollywood and acting and entertainment, that is not my life. And I'll just really figure out what to do next.
2: Yeah. Accounting. And-
3: yeah, you know that's the exact move. If you don't <laughs> be an actor, you go into accounting. It's the letter A. You stick with A, then yes, you with B, and always. So. that's right. So I was like, I'm gonna use that as my sign. And long story short, I made the squad. And crazy, we went to the Super Bowl that year. It was the best year to pick to be a cheerleader for the Oakland Raiders. We went to the Super Bowl. Wow. So we got spanked at the Super Bowl. We're all bad, and it was embarrassing. And. <laughs> Our quarterback, Rich Gannon, threw about 17 interceptions, but mm. that's fine. He is having a little bit of an off day on the biggest day of his life. It's fine.
2: but Of your life, too.
3: Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, at this point, like, I'm on the field at the Super Bowl, and we're like, this is incredible. So, we I mean, lose the Super Bowl. I come home, and the very next weekend after the Super Bowl, I packed up my suitcase in my hand-me-down station wagon, and I drove to LA.
2: The Camry station wagon.
3: Okay, it's Toyota Camry station wagon.
2: Yeah, yes. heard the joke. Yeah. love it.
3: <laughs> uh, yeah. Thank you. First of all, I forgot I even did a joke, so I was like, "How do you know?"
2: <laughs> so I, I went. I went into the uh, archives. I guess for that.
3: I one. totally. I forget all the time about my jokes. Sometimes people quote me, and I'll be like, like, "Is mm,
2: that I didn't I say know. that.
3: <laughs> Is it mine? You, you might know better than me. Um, but so anyway, I. Drove down to LA and I started from the ground up. My friend kept her word and she helped me get started. And I started as an extra and then I worked my way up and I was a stand-in on a TV show. And then from a stand-in, I I got my first co-star role. I said sentences on the TV show, but that was my first speaking role on a TV show. And um, from there while I was a standing on this show, I was attending a church in Los Angeles called the Oasis. Okay. And um, it's a very Hollywood friendly church, actors, dancers, singers, producers, directors, everybody goes to this church. A so it, was a,
2: it was a networking play for you.
3: Yeah. <laughs> it well, listen. It was exactly what I needed in that time. Yeah. yeah. You know? And it was every Tuesday night. They had creative arts night where they would have like an acting class, a dance class, um, a whatever, to learn the tech video stuff, like all the different classes that they offered for, because they know that everybody in this, 80% of the people in this uh, congregation are pursuing the entertainment industry in some form. That's dope. it's so, so For though. them
2: to do, yeah.
3: Well, so, I was in the acting class on Tuesday nights and we would play improv games and I was funny in the improv games and there was a woman there who saw me and she saw that was funny and she was like, hey, do you want to come take my joke writing stand up comedy class? And I was like, I don't know, is it free? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Are there coupons? What?
3: Like, well, I'm not interested, but if it's free, I guess. <laughs> and that's what it was. She was like, yeah, it's free. I was like, well, I guess so. Fine, I'll take it. I don't, I mean, whatever. It wasn't like, oh, i always wanted to be a kid. Yeah. At this point, to be honest, at this point, I had been to one comedy show in my whole entire life. And it was at some restaurant, like in East L.A. somewhere. I forget who even took me. But I went with somebody and there was comedians who would get on stage and they would tell jokes. And I remember sitting there thinking, going, hmm, I wonder if I could do that. Like,
4: Yeah. That
3: They're was no it. different than me. That yep. question. The, I was never like, oh, I want to do that someday. It was just I was watching going, huh. I wonder if I could do that. Which the seed now, was planted. As I'm telling you this and now, I wonder how funny it was to God to hear that, to see me, his daughter, sitting there going, I wonder if I can do that. Fully knowing who I'm about to become. Yeah. What's Fully knowing what's already in me. <laughs> waiting.
2: He's like, if you only knew, That's
3: fam. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like now as I'm telling you this, I go, oh my God, how funny. How many times a day does God laugh? Go, oh, if you only knew. Oh, geez, if you would only just break up with that person. Yeah. Oh, God, if you would just blah, 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 whatever. Oh, my me. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I'll take the class. Okay. So I take this class. And one of the first jokes that I wrote was this nail salon bit that ended yeah. up in my spot. And that was the one thing that I thought I had in my pocket when I was at that comedy show at the restaurant. And I go, oh, <laughs> my, what if I could do this. My thought was, oh, I have that like the nail salon uh, character that I do. I, I I could probably make that into a joke. I wonder if I could do this, right? So then when I take the class, I tell her that. And she was like, nail salon jokes are so hacky. Like, everybody has a nail salon. Really
2: inspiring some confidence.
3: Like, trust me, you want to stay away from nail salon. And I fully understand what she's saying because yeah. she- Trying to mentor and guide and be like, let me teach you what the word hacky means. Like, if everyone is talking about that, maybe don't talk about it unless you have a really super unique point of view on it. Maybe skip that topic because everyone talks about it, and that's what she was saying. But when I heard it, I was like, mm, I don't know if people do it the way I do it though, yeah. because I knew how good I was without being able to articulate what I, what I was doing. I couldn't articulate to you back then that. I was painting a picture. I was telling a story that I was giving you so many different emotions. I was giving you a beginning, a middle and an end. I couldn't articulate at that time that I was already doing structural stuff that made me a good storyteller. I couldn't articulate that. But when she said, I would stay clear of nail salon jokes. My only response was, but I don't know if they do it like me. I can't tell you what I'm doing, but I can tell you, I don't think nobody. I haven't seen that. Yeah. You know? So I took the class and our graduation from the class was we had to perform at a real comedy club and bring like 10 people to come watch us.
2: Dang. No pressure.
3: I closed my set with my nail salon joke, which looked a little different at the time when I first wrote it. But um, I closed with my nail salon set and I had a great set. You hear a lot of times comedians talk about their first time on stage and like, I bombed. I was so horrible. I bombed. Let me tell you, if I was horrible and I bombed, I would have never done it again.
2: Yeah. Yeah
3: because it wasn't my dream.
2: You already didn't believe in it at the time. Yeah, yeah. It
3: was just something I was doing for fun because it was a free class. So if I bombed, if the class showed me, Oh, this is not really your gift. Then I'd be like, okay, well, I'm, right. I'm good. But all of a sudden it was showing me it was a gift that I had. And then all of a sudden people would reach out to me and be like, Hey, do you want to come and perform at my Tuesday night at the improv, my Thursday night at Buzz cafe, my whatever at this little dive bar here. And I'd be like, but I wasn't calling people. Hey, can I get up in your room? Like, that's what you hear from comedians. It's like, they're hungry. They want time, which I admire. And they're like, Hey, do you know of any open mics I can get up at? Oh my God. I hated open mics. Do not take me to an open mic. I am like
2: sitting there for six hours for your five minutes.
3: Oh my God. And it's just the energy.
2: (laughs) Everyone, everyone hates their life. And it's like, I can't keep doing this.
3: laughing. Yeah. I'm like an instant gratification person. So it's hard for me to like, if I think of something that's funny and then I try it in front of a room of 12 people and they don't laugh or they go, hmm. then I go, Oh, it's not funny. <laughs> I would rather practice it myself in the shower by myself. And if I make myself laugh then I go, Oh, okay, I'm gonna try that. That's, yeah, not, yeah. that's not right now. But early back then I would, I was trying to do it the right way. Let me go up at of open mic and I hated it so much. Yeah. But that's how I started in stand up And then next thing you know, it blew up this brand new thing called YouTube came out <laughs> and blew up my spot. And it went from...
2: Was it that 2007 video or maybe even earlier that where you... Because mm-hmm. I've mm-hmm. seen several of the nail salon jokes, but it's like the real grainy, you super young. Was mm-hmm. it that video where you... That was like the culmination of the class, that video?
3: Yeah. And let me tell you what was happening at that time when that was taken. So... I've been out here since 2003 and I had gone from being an extra to a stand in trying to get like auditions and book stuff and be an actress. And, um, I was at this season in my life, 2007, nothing. Well, it's 2006 when I did the um, class and performed, Mm
4: -hmm.
3: nothing was happening in my life. I had no agents, no managers. I had no, um, auditions. I had no opportunities. I had nothing in my life saying, Hey, you're on the right track. Keep going. I was on unemployment because I wasn't a stand-in anymore. Like that gig was gone. Mm-hmm. Um, my unemployment checks had run out. I had no money coming in.
2: It's a super cheap place to live too. So that's good.
3: You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> it was like I did, what do I do from here? Either I'd be homeless or I'd go home. Yeah. Well, I was ready to go home. And um, so before i'll tell you when the video went viral because it was a long time later so we filmed that in like 2006 and i got a phone call i was like hey do you want to come and do 10 minutes at the ice house in pasadena uh there's this company they're gonna come and videotape comics doing 10 minutes and they'll give you 25 bucks and i was like 25 dollars." <laughs> that's what i said but not laughing like that's ridiculous i was like 25
2: real dollars
3: are you, are you i can all of them all the $25 like that and I was like heck yeah I'm coming I'll do my 10 minutes for twenty five bucks that's gas that's like at least 10 top ramens like (laughs) and so I did it and signed my life away for that videotape and this company they were going to upload those videos to Flip. It was flip phone era this is before super smartphone this is flip phone yep to upload the videos to cell phone companies like Verizon or whoever. And for $1.99, you could download comedy clips. And that's what they were going to do. So they were collecting all these stand-up comedy clips. Collect them, collect them. And then all of a sudden, YouTube came out. So they're like, well, we can't do the upload. That whole
2: business is gone.
3: <laughs> yeah, that thing. So let's just upload all these videos to YouTube and start monetizing on yeah. YouTube. So they did that. And... So basically, that company owns the nail salon video. So when people think that I'm rich from that video, I not I didn't see one dime from that video. Wow! That company made all that money off that video.
4: Jeez! So, anyway,
3: so they take that video, I disappear, and whatever. That was a long time ago. Who cares? It's whatever. Mm. All of a sudden, now it's 2007 January. Now I start getting phone calls from people, from family members, from friends I haven't heard from in a long time, saying like, "Hey." I got this uh, video sent to me and it's you. And I'd be like, what do you mean it's me? Like, what am I doing? And they're like, oh.
2: I don't feel great about this.
3: <laughs> am I aware of this video? Does <laughs> yeah. it look like I know the camera's on? Right. Or, and um, it's like you doing stand-up. You're doing this nail salon joke. And I'm like, oh yeah, I did film that a long time ago. That's interesting. And then I start getting more calls. And then this is back in MySpace days and MySpace mm-hmm. space blowing up. I'm getting messages from all over the world, the Philippines, Australia, all over the United States. Hey, when are you coming to perform here? When are you coming to perform? And all of a sudden I'm like, uh-oh, something's happening. What is going on? I'm getting thousands of messages a day from people all over the world. Yeah, and This brand new thing called YouTube is blown up my spot. And so I'm like, oh my God, okay, uh, what do I do? All of a sudden I'm getting messages in my, my inbox on MySpace that's like, hey, I'm the assistant to so-and-so executive at this network. They would like to meet with you. And they were sending their assistants to my space to come and message me to find me because I didn't have an agent. Nobody knew how to get hold of me.
2: Yeah. They're getting, just getting you directly.
3: So they're, they're sending their assistant, find this girl, message her, tell her I want to meet her. And then I have meetings with ABC, NBC Fox, every letter you can think of in the alphabet network. I had a meeting with them and it was like, I had to go buy a calendar because I, yeah. can, but I had no job. I had no agent. I had no opportunities coming my way. I was on unemployment. My unemployment checks had run out. The only reason why I stayed in LA is because my sister was sending me money to pay my rent. She was giving wow. certificates to the grocery store so that I could eat food while I was here. And Jeez. she like, no, you stay there. Like you're not done. It was that. And I felt God in my spirit telling me I'm not done yet. Like, I know it looks bad. I know everything in your life and your circumstances is saying you tried, but it's time to go home and give up. I'm not done. Are you going to hmm. listen to me? or Are you going to listen to what the world is showing you right now? Because my world was showing me you failed, but that little voice in my spirit was like, and I was like, I'm gonna wait, I'm gonna stick it out. My sister's sending me some money, dang. And I got my tapramas, my Cheerios, like, we're good, I can hold out a little while longer. Next thing you know, boom, YouTube blows up my spot. Come meet me at NBC, Fox, ABC. When are you coming to Australia? When are you coming to the Philippines? Da, 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 whatever. And um, I remember calling my sister on the phone one day and having a conversation with her because. I, was rep- I didn't know how to be famous. Yeah. I was replying to every message that yep. came in on MySpace. I didn't know how to be famous. So every single person, I'm saying, thank you so much for the support. Copy, paste. Thank you so much for the support. <laughs> to the point where they were starting to reply, say, is this a fake person? Because you already said this to me. And then I'm like, oh, sorry. I'm going so fast. I'm trying to reply to as many people as I can. I didn't know you don't have to reply to every single person who writes you a letter. Right. So I don't know how to be famous, right? Yeah. I- Overwhelmed, like hours and hours sitting at the computer trying to reply to people. And I'm like, oh my God, what do I do? Like, I can't keep up. I don't know how to do this. And I have all these meetings. People want to meet me and they want me to audition and all these things. And I called my sister and I was like, okay, either this is a little phase that I'm going through or this is the beginning of the rest of my life. Yeah. And that's exactly what it was. It was the beginning of my life changing drastically from having nothing to my name, no money in my bank account needing to live off of hand-me-downs, giveaways, um, gift certificates to that was January, 2007 to by the end of the year, I was on a hit show, mad TV on Fox. I've heard of it. Yeah. Touring the country as a headlining comedian, I had bought a new car. I, didn't have to wonder where I was going to eat next. Like my life had completely changed in that one year.
2: How did you feel during that time? Cause I've experienced a low level of that where overnight people start to care about who you are and what you do. And you're having all these incredibly important meetings that all these starving comedians in town would give everything to have. And now you have 10 all at once. Uh-huh. I mean, how do you feel at this time? Are you pumped or are you freaked out or are you just relieved that, Hey, maybe I might be able to get some of this cheddar.
3: A little bit of all of it. <laughs> like I felt exactly what I said to my sister. Like, what is this? Yeah. This is, this feels good. It's mm-hmm. overwhelming. It's scary. What do I do? Is this my like jumping off point or is this just a little thing that I, going through like it was like what is this and then when you realize what it is and you're you're snowballing and becoming bigger then it's like okay how do I make the best decisions possible so that I keep growing and keep snowballing so it was overwhelming it was scary it was exciting it was the oh my god are are my dreams coming true
2: Mm -hmm. I didn't know these were my dreams
3: is this my moment yeah it's all of those things and then you realize like As I'm sitting in the waiting room at, you know, NBC and they just saw this video and they want to meet me and they're so happy to meet me. And I'm like, wow, just like a few weeks ago, nobody.
4: Yeah.
3: I was just trying to get an audition and now they're asking for me to come there and I'm sitting there and they're like, tell me about yourself. And I'm telling them about myself and they're like, here, we actually have this pilot we're casting. Can you read this? Let me just
2: shut up, dude. That is so
0: tight
3: right in that room. And I'm like, Oh, sure. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, you could step out for a few minutes and try to work on it and then come back in. I'm like, okay, sure. And then like, I'm just, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm rolling with the punches as much as I can trying to be responsible with what I've been given Yeah, and excited about it. And it was really really
2: a a crazy time that I'm still grateful for. Today's episode of the Preachers and Seekers podcast is brought to you by the Upper Room Daily Devotional Guide. You can count on the Upper Room for daily inspiration, daily community, and daily prayer. It is the only daily devotional magazine written by readers, ordinary people, people who have encountered God in daily situations. The Upper Room is here for you every day through your email, a custom app, or printed magazine. Enjoy a free 30-day trial of the email or app service by visiting uproom.org slash welcome. That's U-P-P-E-R-R-O-O-M dot org slash welcome to get your first 30 days free. Yeah, what a gift. Not only, I mean, you have the in with your friend that got you the extra jobs, that kind of thing, getting a little credibility there. Your mm-hmm. sister is out of the goodness of her heart supporting you Mm -hmm. to kind of pursue this dream that you're still trying to figure out. And then this video that you worked hard to perform goes viral without effort from you. And now all the calls start coming in and you're like, Oh, now I have now they're asking me to be this person that I don't even believe that I am. Let me, let me try to explain to you how un." qualified. I am for this. I mean, I'm just, I'm relating to you because people ask me the same thing too. Like who you, who are you? What's, what's the purpose of what you do? Like how long have you been doing this? And I'm like, dude, I'm just a normal freaking person. Very happy to be here, but probably a lot more people that have been working for this too. uh, That would probably be a better choice.
3: And what I love about what you do and what you are doing, like I admire it is When people um, misinterpret you or your intentions Mm -hmm. that you keep going and you don't stop and you brush it off, whether you even know, Your intention out the gate of why you did this, like you could have just just because it was funny and it was fun. All of a sudden, started blowing up and people are like, okay, but why? Like, are you on their side or are you on our side? Like, are you do you think it's good or do you think it's bad? Like, do you validate or do you not? Like,
2: that's exactly
3: no all of those things, and you just keep going like that. I admire because for me, being like. I can tell you my whole story and you're like, um, you could be like, that's really brave. Like moving out here is really brave. Like going for it and riding the wave of all that was happening because of your YouTube video is really brave. But really, I care too much about what people think. Yeah. To the point where I'm like, oh, this is becoming something that people are debating about. I'm just going to turn it off. I don't, I don't like confrontation. Yes. I don't like being like, if people are going to fight about this, then forget it. I was just trying to make it a funny thing. There's always somebody who has to come ruin it. So y'all don't <laughs> ruin it by paying up my account. Dully, everybody unsubscribe, but you, know, you just keep going, and I admire that because I'm like everybody's talking all kind of stuff, like is he this, is he that, is yeah. he whatever, whatever. And you're like, and here's another one about the new Gucci's wearing. That- <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, well, thank you. I I appreciate you saying that because that's a pretty much exactly what we're probably a lot of like. Maybe both Enneagram threes. I don't like upsetting people. A oh, you're nine. Oh, very interesting. Uh, I don't like conflict. I did not love the feeling of like causing all this quote unquote division or at least people arguing, but it, it felt important. Much like your thing felt super important, but you may may have not known exactly what was happening at the time. Um, yeah. It's, it's very interesting. And people do come in and try to ruin it. And in some ways they have, but all that to say is my therapy budget has skyrocketed.
3: <laughs> I, get, I fully get it.
2: Yeah. So, um, so you have all these awesome meetings with all the freaking three letter networks out there. You you nail this mad TV gig and now you're working with Bobby Lee, mm-hmm. Keenan or how do yeah. you say it? Keegan Michael Key. Um you have the you know the Bon Quique spot that further viral nation for you. All the while you're a professing Christian and you're in the most like I mean you're in LA, in TV entertainment, in touring standup comedy. I'm sure there was a lot of cocaine getting passed around all kinds of weird stuff happening. But throughout the whole thing, you have this clean act for the most part. I mean, I haven't watched every single one of your acts, but the, the theme seems to be, Hey, I can be freaking funny without being like Mm -hmm. everybody else. How do you do that at the time? Or like, when did you make that decision to do that? Because if it was me, I would want to do whatever it took to go as high and as fast as possible in that situation.
3: Um, i would say it wasn't even a choice that i made it was just me uh being me Hmm. and even though there were moments where i was trying to be who i thought people wanted me to be, but that was less about oh let me talk about this topic and that topic uh It was more about like my identity as like oh they I don't speak Spanish but I'm Mexican I'm embarrassed that I don't speak Spanish Hmm. and all the opportunities I'm getting are at you know refried Fridays at (laughs) and like
2: so wrong
3: like all the Latino nights that's where I was getting the opportunities so I was like oh everyone else on this stage they they talk like this and. They talk about these types of things. Mm-hmm. So let me be who people want me to be. So I, I can get your laugh, but I'm gonna pretend that my mom speaks broken English because I know I can do a really good accent with broken English. Mm-hmm. So let me talk about my mom and I mika all you have to do is and I could do it all and they're gonna eat it out of my, the palm of my hand. They're like, Oh, eating it up laughing hysterically. But really, I know my mom doesn't talk like that.
2: <laughs> She's like, Hey, wait a second.
3: My mom talks like me right now. Like I could play a voice on message and she, her message would be like, so today was so lame. Just call me later. Bye. (laughs) So I was still putting on a little bit.
2: Yeah. And you can, you can feel that inside. Like when you know, you know the moment you're being disingenuous with what (laughs) you're putting out there.
3: What is your audience? Your audience knows as well. So you can fool them for a little bit.
2: Yeah. People are smart
3: or intuitive. Your energy speaks loud. So, yes. um, it took me a while to figure out my point of view and, and realize that I was okay to be, uh, I had to Eminem myself, basically Eminem from eight mile when he was like, let me just put myself on blast before anybody else can. Yes. I had to do that. So then my jokes were like, I don't speak Spanish. And here's a funny joke about that. Um, here's a joke about, I don't want kids or whatever it is. Like yep. I started to like own the things about me. And talk about them honestly and authentically. But the choice to not say cuss words or to not talk about sex was less of a choice and more of, I just get uncomfortable talking about sex, period. So I don't (laughs) want to do it. Yeah. And at the time, I didn't use curse words. I was very against using curse words. I was like, shoot, darn it. Dang it. And so it was easy for me to not say cuss words on stage because I don't say cuss words in my real life. Why well, I'm going to add them to my yeah, show. Yeah,
2: people would be able to tell very easily.
3: Yeah, like I probably don't even say the cuss right. So, right. Bad like,
2: cussers are very obnoxious. If you're yeah. going to cuss, you got to be good at it.
3: And that's <laughs> what I'm saying. So like early on in my career, that's where I was at. Now is a little bit here.
2: 2020 is, you know, <laughs> yeah. Jesus is not done with all of us yet.
3: I've gotten a little lax with my mouth and I could say some stuff that I didn't used to say, mm-hmm. but I, I am evolved to a point where I'm like, Oh, I'm actually not going to hell because that's I right. Can't. You know yep. what I mean? Like, it's just, uh, it's self-awareness evolving and whatever. And not to say that I'm better than anyone who doesn't think how I think. Um, yeah, I think differently now than I did when I was in my early twenties and, um, I still have a clean show. Um, I'm just not as, uh, what's the word prude about it? Like I'm not like
2: legalistic about it almost.
3: Yeah. I'm not yeah. legalistic about it. I'm, I don't not cuss in my show because I think it's bad at this point. I purposely don't cuss in my show because I know um, my audience is family friendly and I love that. I love yeah. that. Kids can come to my show. Grandparents can come to my show. I love that. So that's what I want to keep cultivating, is that. But it's not because I think it's bad. Yeah, yeah. That's the problem with like some people may be like, oh, it's because she's Christian, so she knows she's not supposed to test. And I'm like, maybe uh,
2: not.
4: I don't <laughs> yeah. want to
2: <laughs> there's, I mean, there's, you could, it's very different from a Christian stand-up act. Like you, it's very quickly, you can see like, okay, this girl is being completely authentic and is edgy, but also doesn't have to leverage basic cuss words in order to be edgy or like talk about real life. Like it's very clear that you're not trying to whitewash a bunch of things about life. So that's what I appreciate about you. I'm, I, I have a question about, and we, we can get off this very quickly. Um, but I'm interested to know about like when you're in the pitch meetings with the networks, you know, you're a hundred percent yourself. They want something out of you. Did that ever clash? Like saying they, did they ever ask you to like, Hey, can you be in this role, this scene? Or they were pretty. Cause I guess the assumption is that Hollywood types just want you to be a terrible person. Like Hollywood yeah. network types just want you to be a terrible person, but you're I'm indicating
3: sure live that we spin in our conservative circles, right? Which yeah, yeah. I am not in a conservative circle any longer, but I feel like that is something like I can tell you some projects that I said no to because of my conservative values that my husband and I still, we don't regret it because we, we don't operate in regret,
4: mm-hmm. but
3: there is one movie franchise in particular that I can point to that I can say, if I wasn't so uptight, I was offered—I'm not—I can't even tell you what it was, but I was offered a role. Not only offered a role, no but like, audition. We want you in this movie. Which role do you want? It was like that. Oh my god! And then this movie went on to make a part two and a part three, maybe even part four. I don't know. I kind of lost track, to be honest. But wow! I said no because I was uncomfortable with some things. And then really there was like a dick joke or two. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I don't talk like that. Can't
2: be associated with that.
3: Can't do it. And now I look back and I go, oh my God. Well, you know what? It was a choice. I made a choice and that's fine. It is what it is. And that was for someone else. That was the other girl who they, but that was her breakout role. That was for her journey. This was part of her story. And I leave it at that. But I, I know that um, I, that's how I used to operate and make my decisions and that's fine. And that, we have to make the best decision for ourselves in that moment. And there's no handbook to life. As Absolutely. Much as I say, the Bible is our handbook. It's not a handbook. It's a beautiful book from God with many valuable lessons and principles and gifts and power. And I love it, but it's not a manual for life.
2: Yeah, it's pretty it, it they doesn't they don't talk a ton about like social media or career progression in the Bible. I've been looking lately and it's just it hasn't really come up a ton. Uh. <laughs> but that that transitions a little bit because you have a podcast now that kind of questions a lot of these things, which I really appreciate. You you and your husband and there's two other people or is it just you and your husband?
3: Yeah, it's me Manny, my husband Manny and our friend Brandon. We used to have four of us. Now it's just three of us.
2: Okay, cool. And how has that been? I mean, people, when you start a podcast, people think you know what you're doing. Much like yeah. my own.
3: We were very honest from the beginning. Hey, we don't know what we're doing. Uh, here we are recording. Mm-hmm. And even now, like we're on season four or five of our podcast. Dang. And he's still very honest with, hey, do you, if you guys still like it, we'll keep going. If nobody wants to hear we don't have to do this. Like, it's totally fine. We, we don't know what we're doing. We're just talking.
2: Yeah. Do you like it? I mean, is is it something that, is it a chore to you or is it something that you find? I'll tell you what
3: I like and don't like about podcasting. I like actually having conversations. Mm -hmm. I like, I don't love promoting. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if it's because I've spent a majority of my career, uh, promoting myself, Buy tickets to my show, Come see me Thursday night at the Improv. Come see me this weekend in Ohio. Come to my fall tour. Buy tickets. Buy blah, 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 whatever. Mm -hmm. Subscribe, subscribe. Like my video. Like like it's constant.
2: Self-promotion.
3: I need this from you. Yeah. I hate that. I love the conversation. And I wish everyone could hear these conversations we're having. In order to get everyone to hear the conversations we're having, I got to promote it. So
2: that's what I. And it never ends cool. unless you're a, a Joe Rogan or a Conan. You literally have mm-hmm. to every day, every week be pushing out some type of content or doing some type of SEO or blog or freaking email list BS. Yeah. I don't like that part either. I like the absolutely love the conversations and love getting to interact with a bunch of super interesting, people, but the whole like pressure to self-promote or pressure to put stuff out there. I mean, there's people out there that I've, I've lost maybe 5,000 followers the past. I mean, basically during COVID and a lot of people just unfollow you. If you don't put out enough Mm -hmm. content, which is so strange to me. Like if I'd never notice if, if somebody's not putting out content, but there's people that will unfollow you. If you don't put out stuff.
3: I've had people (laughs) message me or comment and be like, you're not funny on here. I'm not gonna follow you. (laughs) And I'd be like, Oh, if you want to be want to be funny, buy a ticket to my (laughs) show.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm not giving this out for free, homie. I'm not
3: clocked in right now. I'm at home on my Instagram. I'm not clocked in. This is my dog. It's an act. You don't don't gotta follow me. You know what I mean? Like that's all right. If you you want me to be funny, I'm gonna go ahead and need you to click on this link right here, swipe up, buy you a little ticket, and come to my show, and I'll be hilarious.
2: I promise I'll be hilarious then, but what it's going to cost you.
3: Our That's our resume now is our Twitter, our Instagram, our Facebook, our YouTube. That's our resume now.
2: Yeah. And it's I mean, speaking from experience, you can, you get a lot of credibility by just having a ton of followers, even if you're not good at writing or if you're not good at comedy or acting, a lot of people are having mega careers by just being famous, but also woe is me or woe is us for having a huge platform, like super grateful to have such a crazy, huge platform.
3: Sure. And I try to tune in often on why do I have this platform? Yeah. I have to remind myself, like when I get on my emotional tip and I want to post things, Mm -hmm. disagree with about politics, about the church, about, uh, you know people literally fighting for their lives out on our streets mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. i want to say a lot of things and sometimes i do then and because i feel it's important and if i'm given this platform it yes i believe first and foremost it's to bring joy and positivity and that doesn't mean i have to be doing a setup punchline every day on my instagram that just means sometimes me showing my dog doing something cute is bringing joy to someone yeah So I get that my platform is a breath of fresh air that God has given me this platform and I want to be responsible with it. And at the same time, I get that I've been given this platform and people are listening to me and they respect me. So when I do say something in love that is like, hey, this does not represent the heart of God, at least not to me. Like sometimes that message is necessary and I put that out there and then people will be like, stick to your lane. I don't come to your page to hear your political point of view. And at the same time, I'm like, yeah, but you came to my page though. So you go what I give you. Yeah.
2: And also people, it's very easy to dehumanize you as you know, somebody that's not a person (laughs) like you're not supposed to care about human things. You're just a comedian or an actress.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is my I pay my taxes for this lane right here exactly. Right, right all here. the holes in it I I pay for those to not get fixed.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's an interesting uh thing to think about about when something is worth using all of your platforms to scream or yell about. I'm not saying you scream or yell, but I'm I go through this too. It's like stay in your lane. But when is something especially as Christians if you see Church things or Christians portraying our same faith in a certain way, when is it okay to critique or criticize that thing from afar
3: mm-hmm.
2: i'd love to I'd love to get your and we only talk about it briefly um because I'm not trying to self serve here but I'd love to hear what your thoughts are about the whole preachers and sneakers thing celebrity Christians getting rich off of preaching that kind of thing. Do you have any thoughts about that?
3: Hmm, I I don't. I feel like if uh a person has a gift to speak to people, mm-hmm. to relate to people in a certain way, to connect with people, and um their life is blessed from it, mm-hmm. great, that's their journey, that's their story. Mm-hmm. Like if they um are doing what the Bible says and, and taking care of the widows and like those in need and like all of those kinds of things. And then they also have extra so that they could um, have a cool pair of sneakers, get your cool pair of sneakers. Right. Like do you
2: y'all appreciate a good pair of sneakers at your house?
3: Oh, Yes, we have like mostly Manny. Like, yeah, he's
2: got somewhat of a closet situation.
3: I don't, I don't take care of my things very well. Like, I scuff my, and I, I always tell my kids because I'm bow legged, so I walk weird. So, <laughs> all up. so I'm like, don't buy me nice shoes. I'm not gonna keep nice shoes because
2: you're early. actually gonna wear them.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, buy me a nice purse. I'll carry a nice purse, but don't give me some nice shoes. I'm gonna, I'm gonna mess those <laughs> up. But yeah, so my thoughts is like if you're blessed, be blessed, like be responsible with it. Like take mm-hmm. care of those in need around you. Don't carry the weight of every single person. Cause you're not God. Yeah. So you don't need to save every single person. You don't need to feed every single homeless person that you walk past because mm-hmm. you're not God, but you can do your part for sure. Yeah. Are you generous in your heart. Are you loving kind? Do you love your neighbor in action and in words and, and an energy and all of those things, then great. Enjoy <laughs> your life. Okay.
2: Yeah, I mean that's a that's a pretty healthy take on the whole thing. I would say, you know, the the friction comes when every person has their different definition about how much one should be doing in, in the oh, all right in in the world. Um, but yeah, I mean, and you act this out really well. I mean, you're a literally a celebrity. And care a ton about philanthropy. And that's part of the reason you and I connected is because our mutual friend, Erica, who I've had on the podcast before, runs Unlikely Heroes and you've been involved with them for like a decade. Mm -hmm. What drew you to that or what, you know, I can make assumptions, but what made you feel so strongly about them and why you've stayed on their board and such for so long?
3: I didn't know much about trafficking before I met Erica, I learned a lot from Erica about human trafficking and what it looks like and what it is. And, um, I, the more I learned, the more I started to recognize things in my own childhood and neighborhood where I grew up and biases that I had, uh, of people, um, not understanding, not being educated. And once I got educated, and once I saw that my friend Erica is doing an amazing job stewarding what she's been given,
4: mm-hmm.
3: um, it was definitely something that Manny and I could stand behind, uh, not only with our finances and donating to this organization and the work that's being done, but to stand on the board because we trust Erica, we trust this organization, we trust how they operate, how they work, how they move. We see the fruit of what they're doing. We see how they've been uh, helping people and that is amazing to have like an inside look at the great work that is being done as opposed to just like lending your money to any organization which is great do that if you can if you yeah, know yeah. An organization that needs help and they're doing great work donate to them. But how much more powerful is it when you actually are able to see the ins and outs and go, oh, I fully stand behind what this organization is doing? Yeah. So that's what, that's why I'm so involved when we stage so involved with Unlikely Heroes. Yeah.
2: I was, and I felt some of the same things too, because for people that don't know, Unlikely Heroes rescues children out of sex trafficking around the world, just like the most evil thing that you could ever comprehend and unlikely heroes basically goes and rescues these kids and helps them integrate back into society to the point where they're thriving. Like they're not throwing them rice and beans. They're like housing them, educating them, like letting them have hobbies. They're getting them into college, all that kind of thing all over the world. Therapy. Yeah. I mean, which I imagine it's immense therapy Mm -hmm. Um, and all that takes a ton of money to, to be able to do that worldwide. But Erica, started this thing and has some incredibly powerful people behind the organization. And I, I mean, we did a merch drop for them and we raised, you know, a minuscule amount in the grand scheme of things, but I, yeah, I couldn't stop thinking about it once I met her and learned about what she was doing. I was like, dude, how do you not yeah. get on board with this? And so you should go it's, ahead.
3: I, um, since I had learned about trafficking and been working with Erica, I, God speaks to me in my dreams a lot. And like, I have a whole notebook of just dreams. And I'm oh like, snap. I wonder what this means. I wonder what that means. And like, even since I was a kid, my mom will tell me today, like as an adult, remember when you had that dream and it's like just such strange, interesting things, but I would tell my mom about it when I was younger. And so like, she knows that I've been getting dreams since I was like younger. And I would start having trafficking dreams like of, this now that I was like aware of it, every now and then I would wake up from a dream where there is some sort of trafficking something happening. Um, so I think that's another just back end reason of why I'm connected to this cause is it's literally speaks to me even while I sleep.
2: Jeez. That's powerful. I mean, yeah. especially when you, I mean, could tell that your dreams are literally Coming from God and not just, you know, having dairy before bed, <laughs> you know, you. that's awesome. Well, we're, we're pretty much perfectly at time and I, I don't, you're incredibly busy. So I, I appreciate you taking this much time to talk with me. Do you have anything to promote? I know you hate it, but <laughs> I want to allow you the opportunity to promote something.
3: I mean, I guess just our podcast nights at the round table and okay. we talk about faith love, relationships. Um, We talk about our deconstruction and reconstruction of all of those things. We talk about from what we believed growing up, like religious beliefs growing up and how that has evolved in today. We talk about relational beliefs growing up early on in marriage to now how we feel about it and how we've dealt with things from, learning what I've learned in therapy and how it applies to our lives. And Manny and I get pretty vulnerable about our relationship because we know it's relatable and it's going to speak to people and help people. And and what it has done thus far from the messages that we're receiving is people really feel seen and heard sitting at our table. Yeah. So that's kind of what we do. And we, We talk and laugh we have a glass of wine for every episode. (laughs) Come join
2: us. (laughs) What size glass of wine?
3: Listen, (laughs) that depends on the day. Okay. It depends on what's happening that day, but come join us for a little glass of wine. Call it communion if you need to. Yeah, absolutely. We'll just have a great time.
2: And it's nights at the round table with an N, not a K. I made that mistake earlier.
3: Oh, that's a good clarification that I never do. You're right. Mm -hmm. Nights, like the actual, we're sitting around the dinner table
2: at night. Right, right. Yeah, it's a clever play on words. But also, she won't do it, but she's got a special on Netflix. You got a special on Prime, right? Is it still up there? I have
3: Uh, four specials out there somewhere.
2: Yeah, go find those. Also, buy tickets to her her shows or her virtual shows, whatever is happening in COVID world. Um, Angela
3: dog on instagram
2: (laughs) what's the handle
3: at bonzo bean reyes he's very popular he's very cute he's very loving if you love some cute dog footage just to like wake you up in the morning or Mm -hmm. put you in follow bonzo bean reyes
2: okay yeah that's the most important thing follow bonzo bean reyes i'll put it in the show notes along with the podcast and all that angela well i was a fan before but now i'm incredibly impressed with all you know your career and you know, how you choose to handle yourself in LA and stay true to yourself and also are able to laugh at hard things in life and also support people that are doing important things. So I appreciate you taking the time. And I think uh, the four listeners on my podcast will really get something out (laughs) of our conversation. So I appreciate you doing this. It's not lost on me that you're incredibly busy. So thank you.
3: Thank you for having me.
2: Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Preachers and Sneakers podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, leave a rating and a review and even share with somebody that you love. Big shouts out to Angela, Angela Johnson Reyes once again for spending so much time with me. She's hilarious. I'm super grateful that she was able to come bless us with her presence. Follow her on Instagram, check out her specials online, follow her dog at Bonso Bean Reyes, all that good stuff and stay tuned for the next episode because we have more and more exciting guests coming this year. It's totally awesome. So Stick with me, subscribe, and keep your eye out for the
0: next episode of the Preachers and Sneakers podcast.